you're seated. Uh, we're going to find jacket twins this morning, okay? So you're going to find people who wear the same type of jacket as you, okay? Similar jacket, puffy jacket, suit jacket, dress, whatever it is, blazers, and say, good morning, you look good, kind of thing, okay? Because they are wearing the same things as you do, okay? Let's go around. Let's say hi to new friends and old friends. Jacket twins, guys. Find your jacket twins. Once you find your jacket twin, say hi, good morning, God bless you kind of thing, and you can sit down. Um, we do have a few announcements this morning, uh, very important announcements. Uh, so the first one is, uh, if you have signed up already, uh, today will be our family reunion lunch today. Uh, so uh, it will be at uh, 1 o'clock in the multi-purpose room uh, across the street, uh, not even the street, sorry, across like our parking lot. Uh, that's our new building, and then, uh, so we have a, a multi-purpose room there. And then so uh, we are asking anyone who signed up to go for sure and bring $5 with you. And if you didn't sign up, uh, I've been told that it's okay to join, not necessarily with the food, but you can go and have like fellowship and you can take a play from the Chinese side, it's fine. And then uh, just go over there. And then, uh, but if you are not doing anything during the second service, uh, please go there and help set up. Is that right, Sarah? Sarah, can you stand? Do they find you or is someone else going to? Okay, that's true. Okay, so wait for Sarah. Sarah will be here for worship, and she will go there and uh, to set up. And then so if those, and, and that's the first one. And the second one is uh, if anyone's interested in getting baptized this Easter, uh, our Easter uh, uh, baptism classes will begin on the uh, the 10th of March. So make sure that if you're interested in doing so, uh, attend that class. And uh, lastly, there's a lot of good announcements this uh, this week. Uh, but we do want to uh, invite all of you guys who are able to to join our VBS volunteer. Uh, that's item number one, two, three. Three, four, five. Uh, at number five, uh, this year the church is trying to use uh, uh, a different approach for VBS. We wanted to host an entire day of uh, VBS. That means from morning until afternoon. Uh, that means we'll need a lot of volunteers. And uh, this is a great outreach opportunity for the kids in our community to serve them and to provide them with the Word of God. So if you are able, uh, even like one day, like two hours, whatever it is, our online uh, registration for volunteers will allow you to pick uh, the slots and things like that that you're, uh, you know, you're free to do so. So please do sign up. Uh, we want to make sure this is a joint church event. So we invite you to sign up and uh, be a part of that. And uh, as you know, uh, there actually for second service, uh, there will no longer be a Sunday school at the 11.15 for the adult Sunday school in room B4. Uh, so um, uh, just make sure that you don't go there. There won't be anyone. But you can go and help Sarah to set up. That will be an even better Sunday school uh, today, I guess, uh, versus nothing. Uh, as you know, um, you know my tradition, uh, it's my, my, my routine is that before I share the Word of God, um, I would like to ask you to pray for me. But before that, I should do the catechism. Should and I. Okay, there you go. Sorry, my brain is not working. That's why you need to pray for me. Um, so we're gonna do the catechism again. Uh, this is uh, we've been doing this is our eighth week doing this, and then so this is where I raise a question, and then you will confess your faith in the sense of reading uh, the answer. And <coughs> and this morning the question is very simple. Uh, you know, I always get the hard one, I think. But but uh, this morning we're getting the, a very simple question. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? And then you're going to respond. So in unison and very loud, I like 
to do a little competition between the first service and second service, and then see which one's more godly and which one's more holy kind of thing. So, uh, but but so let's let's all kind of stand, and this is our confession of faith. And so I'll, I'll post this question to you, and then I'll go to the next slide, and you can read along where in your bulletin has it as well. Okay. So the question here to you, congregation, is this: What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? And you, re- okay, sorry, okay. Hold on. There you go. Okay. <laughs> you shall not have no other gods before me. You shall not. <laughs> it's the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not covet. All right, thank you, congregation. This is a weak one, so you can sit down. I'm going to tell the second service. They can do better than that, right? So, all right, so uh, as a tradition and routine, whatever it is, as I was saying, um, is that uh, I like to share, uh, before I share the Word of God, I like you to pray for me. And, and uh, you, know, as, you know, as you know, that I'm not a very wise person. You know, I'm not the smartest person, I'm sure, in this room. But I, I am a, a spokesperson, I guess, a messenger for God. And so you want to make sure that you pray for me so that I speak the word of God to you. And, uh, and then I always remind, remind people that sometimes, you know, we're here to listen to the word of God. But we are not really receptive because we have all these things going on in our lives, you know, school, work, and whatever it is. And so take a moment to pray for yourselves as well, that God can speak to you, and that you are willing to open your hearts and your minds and your souls to listen and, and really allow that, that word to immerse in you. So uh, let's take this opportunity to pray for one another. Pray for me. Uh, I am sick. It's, a, it's an ongoing sick cycle in my family. I got sick. My wife got sick. My kids get sick, and then now I'm sick again. So it's like you know, a never-ending loop, right? So, so pray for me. I'm here. I'm excited for uh, the opportunity to serve God and serve you. And pray for yourselves. Again, you know, you're here to listen to the Word of God. And, and so allow the Word to speak to you, penetrate you, penetrate me as well. So let's take a minute to pray. <coughs> Father God, I'm reminded again how limited and how weak we are and how weak I am. Without your help, without your power, without your strength, we're powerless. And we just pray that this morning you come among us, your spirit free flow among us, allow us to really unite in you and and God, your presence will be felt among us. And and Father, allow your word to penetrate our hearts and speak and and use me as a broken vessel uh, who is weak and, and just insufficient but your your grace is so much more so i pray that you will speak to us this morning uh, allow your word to really um touch our hearts and change our lives and uh, we pray this in jesus name amen now as you know we're uh, on the series in ephesians uh called we're a family in ephesians 2 uh, verse 19 to 22 is a scripture that we're studying this morning so if you have your bible uh let's let's uh, turn to ephesians 2 it's in the new testament you have your phone uh open up your bible app if you need a bible you can raise your hand real quick our ushers are ready to give you a Bible. You'd like the paper copy? That's great. I love the paper copy. And I always uh, uh, recommend people bring their paper copy because you actually can write on it and then to make notes and uh, uh, things like that. So, again, if you need a Bible this morning, 
uh, feel free to raise your hand. Uh, we'll provide you with the Bible. And uh, a reminder again is that if you're on the Bible app, make sure that you stay on the Bible app and then uh, none of that Facebook or whatever it is app that you might have in the background. Uh, so make sure that we all stay on the, the Bible app. And Ephesians 2 uh, is our scripture this morning. And we're reading from Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. That's a continuation of our sermon last week. And uh, so Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19 to 22. And um, uh, so let's, let's read this together. Um, this is not the one, but here. So, let's read this, Ephesians 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as a chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. And this is kind of like our scripture this morning, but it's a continuation of what we were talking about last week. And last week, uh, one of the key verses uh, uh, is uh, in verse 14 to 16, is this is that for he himself is our peace, which is Christ Jesus, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh a dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance, and that he might create in himself one new man. And I like the NIV, it says one new humanity, and then uh, in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And, and so I titled today's sermon, A New uh, Humanity, because it's a continuation of what we talked about last week. And before we talk about the new humanity, one of the things we always need to kind of think back is this, is that do we really need this new humanity that the Bible prescribed for us? And uh, so if you have to think about this new thing, is this, uh, when was the last time you buy something new? And what is the reason why you buy something new? So we have to ask the question, why a new humanity? Now, I, I'm a cars guy. I love cars. I love buying cars, selling cars. And that was like kind of like my prior life. But, but, you know, whenever people upgrade or trade in a car, uh, one of the things that we notice is that there's always something wrong with the car. And then so, you know, like especially the uh, way I used to do is uh, I specialize in trade-in. So I, I will, you know, I'll evaluate. I'll, I'll do the, the appraisal and things like that. And then so, so a lot of times, you know, cars can be deceiving because the exterior could look great. But, you know, you always ask yourself the question, if it's such a great car, why is this person trading it in? So there's always a reason why people trade in their cars. <coughs> and then so my, in my experience, one of the things is that, that, that when you ask for or getting something new instead of like giving up your old thing, there's always a reason for that. And in cars nowadays, you know, like they might look good on a body and whatever it is. But, but the truth is, something is not working inside. And sometimes, you know, this is what I do when I appraise a car. I test everything. I test uh, air conditioning. I test the power windows. I test the doors. I test the trunks. I test the blinkers. Everything. Because I, I need to make sure, why is it this person is letting this car go for such a low price and whatever it is. And that's kind of my job. And, and, and the truth is, when the Bible prescribed us that we need a hu new humanity, there is a reason for that. You know, because you know, the Jews uh, as a nation, they were the chosen people. Yet, instead of this beacon of hope, this is shining light on the hill, they were not really living out what God wanted them to, to live out us. You know, they were supposed to bring people this message of God, you know, like where, where they have hope now, where, where there's a better way. And instead of doing so, I find that the, when I re read the Old Testament, that the Jewish people has this pride that they are the chosen people of God. And instead of bringing people closer to God, this reconciliation between man and God, they are separating by, uh, people, and then they're really, in a sense, they have this, this 
uh, humongous pride among who they are. And then so they start to say Jews, Gentile, Gentiles, and Gentiles becomes this negative term. And now if you're Gentile, you're not fit to be even in their company, right? And, and so, so I, I don't think that was God's intention, in fact. And then so, so this is why Jesus had to come and break down this wall of hostility because the Jews and Gentiles, they did not like each other. Well, mostly the Jews didn't like them. And then so, so they were like, we don't want you, we don't want your presence, you know, in fact, they have like temple courts for the, the Gentiles and, and all that thing. They, they really wanted to separate the people. And, and so, so I find that really relevant today in our churches as well. Sometimes I, I, as a Christian, I examine myself and I say that, you know, we too need this new idea, new identity in Christ Jesus, because sometimes I feel like we have this pride in Christians as well. We have this self-righteousness. We have this saying that, that we think we are better than other people. See, our job is not to feel good about ourselves and put down other people. Our job is really to become this shining light, this beacon of hope that people can look at us as broken people who has now found salvation, strength, and power and say, well, I want that. That's our job. We're supposed to be this example of God's grace and mercy and love. But instead, you hear on the news, you know, like our, 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 you know, our faith is being tarnished by all these political stuff and the negative stuff. And, you know, and it's just, and you ask ourselves, is there a wonder why people don't want to go to church this, you know, like in our generation? Because there's so much negativity and separation and division, even within the church. And, and so I think it's still very relevant today that, that we need to look at this new creation, this new humanity, and ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to overcome all these uh, this, this shortcomings and simple nature of ourselves? And, and so I think it's very relevant for us to really think about this question, you know, why do we need this new humanity, you know? And, and that, that if it is needed, if you and I need this new humanity in us, taking away the dividing walls, there's no longer separation and things like that, I want to tell you that, that it, it is a good thing to have this new humanity. You know, this is a, a new humanity where your race doesn't matter, your gender doesn't matter, your age doesn't matter, it's, it's your social economical status doesn't matter. You, you, you see, like a church, I, I love that, that, that you know, in, in a bay is more difficult, but, but a lot of churches that, 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 you know, is not in a bay, they have different types of people coming together to worship. You know, it doesn't matter your, your ethnic background, your, your social background, even your educational background, as long as you're here to worship God. You know, we, we have a little bit of that here, right? We have the diversity of age and, and different uh, backgrounds and cultures and things like that. But, but this is the new humanity. There's no separation. There's no your way or my way. There's only Christ's way. And it's a good thing because, you know, this is the place. This is a new opportunity for those who are six-year-olds, seven-year-olds who can still serve faithfully and just as faithful as a 30-year-old, 40-year-old pastor or whatever it is. So, so I, I think it's great that God wanted us to tear down the walls and create this brand new humanity for all of us. But what does that entail for us? What do we, how do we view this? So verse 19, it says this, and, and I, I, you know, this is this word. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God. And, and this is the first thing, is that, that when you are this new humanity, you will form new relationships. You no longer have the old relationships that you had. You have this new relationship because you're a new creation. You're a new, uh, a, a new humanity. And, and so what does that mean to us, okay? That first, you're, the strangers are the people who are outside. 
Okay, so the people who does not belong, who were outcasts. So, so you and I, we used to have nothing to do with this faith, uh, with this God. You know, like I, I grew up uh, in a, a typical Asian family that, that was Buddhist and things like that. I had no relationship with this faith, this Jesus, this Christ. But God somehow take that away. So I'm no longer an outsider, a stranger, a, a person who does not belong. I now belong in this family, in this kingdom, in this this uh, faith. And, and second, it says that aliens, and aliens are guests. Okay, people who are uh, who are here, but they do not really have a say in things, you know. And I like one commentator describes uh, alien as a guest who comes in and then be served or to to be a part of something, but has really no um, ability to dictate or to do whatever they want in this or have their opinions heard, kind of thing. So we were once aliens, you know, we're guests, uh, you know, even we come to church, we're only guests, you know, we're here to listen to worship, maybe a sermon, and then we have no contribution whatsoever. But once we have this new humanity, and once you, you become a Christian, this is a funny thing, that you are no longer strangers and aliens, meaning that now you belong and you have a say. You need to participate. You need to contribute. This is your family. And, and, and I like that because, you know, sometimes, you know, we have this, this in, instinct uh, to, to have this need to belong. We want to be with the people. We want to be in a community. And God is saying that this is now your community. This is now where you belong and you have a say, you can contribute, you can, you can just be a part of this, this moving organism alive and, and doing things. And, and so, so we are no longer strangers and, and aliens and you can no longer say, I don't care. See, when you were a stranger, when you were an alien, you could just say, well, I don't really care. You know, like, how many of you walk down the street and say hi to strangers and hug them and things like that? You don't do that because they're strangers. They're, they're people who are different than you. But when you come to this church, when you come to the church of God, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're, you're this family, this, this brother and sister. And we'll talk more about that. But, but you can't say, I don't care anymore. You see someone crying, you go and talk to that person. You, know? you see someone in need, you go and help them. You are not strangers anymore. You should care. You should have a say. You should participate. You need to get involved kind of thing. So we are no longer having that excuse that we're not a part of this because we are. And that's this first relationship we have to understand and the second one, it goes on to say this, is that, that we are now fellow citizens with the saints. And uh, so this is an interesting one for me, especially, you know, uh, as some of you know that, that, that I grew up, you know, um, you know, uh, to, to uh, I grew up in, in, in Vancouver, so I'm actually a Canadian. And then so for the longest time, um, I did not want to get American citizenship uh, because, I, you know, for whatever reason, you know, because I, I feel like, you know, to become a citizen, they're, they're, they're Hoops you have to jump through kind of thing, you know, like you have to like live here for like three and a half years or four years uninterrupted or something like that. And then you have to like, you know, do all these. One of the difficult things is that on the application, I have to fill out all the times that I left the state uh, to accumulate, well, count how many days I, I've been out of the country. And it's just a lot of work going through a passport and all this like, you know, receipts to know like how many days. Because you don't want to lie on your application because, you know. So, so I remember like I just didn't want to do it because it's just so much work and, and multiple other reasons as well so so to become a citizen it takes work you know it takes you know like this effort to, to become a citizen and, and, and here's the thing that that to be an American is not easy you know a lot of people want to come to America right and, and so the American dream or whatever it is and then so they actually purposely make it difficult like in Canada it's easy to be a Canadian you know you have a job there they will apply for you and you have money they will apply for you like you know anything goes you can be a Canadian so easy but in America it's hard to be 
and the American kind of thing. And here's the thing, like you would imagine the kingdom of God, the, the citizenship of the kingdom of God should be relatively hard. And, and you're right, you know, it's a very exclusive faith, you know, like, in fact, we tell people that the only way to heaven is through Christ Jesus. That's as exclusive as it gets, right? But here's the funny thing about our faith and our belief as well, is that, that it's the most inclusive, exclusive faith. Yes, Jesus is the only way. Yes, Jesus is the, the only Savior. But at the same time, John 3.16 tells us this, that if, if anyone believes that's as easy as it gets, okay? Anyone who believes in Christ Jesus will be saved. And so I, I look at our faith, our citizenship as this most inclusive, exclusive faith, you know? And that, that anyone can become this family. Anyone can join the citizenship. Only you have to do, the only thing you have to do is believe. That's as easy as it gets. But if you don't believe, you cannot be a part of this, this exclusive faith because through Christ Jesus, there is only one way to God, and that's Christ Jesus, and that's it. And, and, and so, so we have to remember that. So, so to become a citizenship, it will take this faith in Christ Jesus. You know, you have to believe, and, and you have to give up. And here's the thing about uh, American citizenship. You know, they ask you, that, are you willing to give up whatever citizenship that you have prior to applying to this, uh, you know, American citizenship? And, and I have to say yes. Like, they ask me about that. And, and, and so, uh, so I have to give up my Canadian citizenship. I actually still have it. Uh, you know, because Canada doesn't care. They're like, you know what, have multiple citizenship. We don't really care. Americans, they care. This is like, this is your final destination. This is your citizenship. And our faith is kind of like that. You have Jesus or you have nothing. You have Christ and that's it. You can't have other things. You can't, you can't worship God and worship money and, or whatever status or, or, you know, material wealth or symbols, whatever it is. You can only have Christ Jesus. So we have to remember that. And, and there are responsibilities as a citizen, you know, like, like, you know, you pay taxes, you vote, and then you get involved. In fact, that was one of the reasons I did not want to become an American because, you know, with the political climate right now, I just really want to get, I don't want to get into it, you know, and I feel like everyone is right, you know, like everyone has a valid point, and, and, and so as a citizen, I feel like I, ha I have this obligation to vote, and, and I just don't know what kind of vote should I cast kind of things. I was like, I don't really want to do this, you know, like, like when I grow up, like we were taught that, that, that the, 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 the ability to vote is a privilege, and you should exercise it because that is what the country has in, empowered you with kind of thing. And, and so as a citizen, your vote counts. And I, I was like, I don't really know if I want to do that, right? And, and sometimes that's our struggle, right? As a, as a Christian, we have responsibilities. And sometimes you'll be like, I don't know if I want to, to carry that weight of being a Christian because I have to, you know, share the gospel, you know, unashamed of my faith and, and offer and serve and give and all that good stuff. And, 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 but, but the reality is that, that as a fellow citizen, as a citizen of God's kingdom, we have responsibilities as well. And, and there's so many of them, and, and we'll talk a little bit about it later on. And, and so, but I like to go on. It says that not only are we fellow citizens, it says that we are fellow citizens with the saints. And so I want to ask you this question. Who are the saints? You know? And, and so sometimes we, we start to imagine saints. Who are they? Like, you know, like are they... You know, people with a halo on top of their head, you know, they walk around with their nose really high or whatever it is. You know, we, like, saints are perfect people and, and who, you know, I don't know, like, if you imagine maybe Pastor Dean will be a saint kind of thing, right? So, so he's a really cool guy. And then so he's a pastor. He, he dedicated his life, uh, you know, in ministry kind of thing. Or Pastor Eugene or even myself or elders. And so we have this idea of saints, of being, like, holier and, and stronger in faith and, and whatever it is. So, so I'm going to post a few questions. I did, this with a, I did this with a youth group, 
in a youth retreat. So, so youth, you know, don't cheat, okay? So I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay? How many of you think you're Christians? Can you raise your hand? If you're, you say, I'm a Christian, raise your hand. All right, awesome, okay. Now, how many of you think you're a Christ follower? Awesome, Christ followers, okay. How many of you think you're a disciple? All right, someone who, who practiced their faith kind of thing. How many of you think you're a saint? All right, so with each question, we have less and less people, right? Okay, thank you, you can put your hand down. Now, here's a funny thing about this, right? In the Bible, if you read the Bible in the New Testament, Christ, uh, Christian, which actually, actually it was, it was a negative term, but by Christians, Christ followers, disciples, and saints, they all describe the same people. But yet in our churches today, we have this, this separation. We're saying that, oh, you can be a Christian and not be a Christ follower, meaning you don't have to practice your faith. You just raise your hand and say, I believe in Jesus. Amen, you're saved, right? No, no, that's not true. You know, in, in, in our New Testament, if you're a Christian, then you're a Christ follower. And if you're a Christ follower, you're a disciple. You have this great commission to make uh, disciples, to, to share the gospel, to teach and, and to baptize people. That's, that's a disciple. And the saints, you're supposed to live out a holy life, to be separated from the world. That's all we have. Like, we all need to do this. So if you're a Christian, then you're a Christ follower, then you're a disciple, then you're a saint. And you can't have any of them and separate that. that. That's something that we create to make people feel better about themselves when they fail and things like that. God has a super high standard. And He will help us to achieve that standard. And that's the thing we have to recognize, that, that you can't be a Christian and not follow Christ. And you cannot follow Christ and not make disciples. And you cannot be a disciple and not live a holy life. That's just not possible. It's one or nothing. And so, so there's no 99.9. There's no tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. We, we make that. So that's us. We created that. And here's the thing. Now, we are now fellow citizens with saints. It means that we also need to live the life of those people that we felt like we aspire to. Like those people who are faithful, who are holy, who are empowered by the Spirit. That's, that's us now. Because we're fellow citizens with the saints. We are the saints. And we need to aspire. We need to, to say, I want to be like that. I want to be more like my Father in heaven who is perfect. I want to do things to, to, to resemble whoever I'm supposed to resemble. You know, like this is me. I, I want to be just like the other saints because I am a fellow citizen. I am a saint. I am a disciple. I am a Christ follower. And there's no separation. Like I and you, we're all the same. My, 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 my pastor thing, that title thing, is just a role that I play. It's just there's something that, that's a gifting or whatever it is you want to call it. But, but I am the same as you. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a disciple. I'm a saint. And just like you, we're all the same. Well, there's no separation. My, my evangelism methods are not necessarily better than yours. My preaching is not necessarily better than yours. My understanding of the Bible is not necessarily better than yours. It's all based on the power of the Spirit. You know? and, and so, so we have to remember that. We are all Christians. We're all saints. We're all Christ followers. We're all disciples. It's not us. We're fellow citizens with the saints. And, and so this is exciting, guys. It means that, that we have this equal opportunity in Christ Jesus. So, so whatever education that you might lack or you might have in Christ Jesus, oh gone, you start fresh. And we are all the same. And it goes on. It's not only that we're you know, not, no longer strangers and aliens and, and we're now fellow citizens. It goes on to say that we're now members of the household. And, and, and I, I love this one because, you know, Asian families, typical Asian family, uh, you know, family is first kind of thing. You know, I remember when I was growing up that my parents would always remind me 
as my brothers and I were fighting, that you are family. They're like, you know, blood is thicker than water, so, so don't fight, you know, like, you will depend on each other. In fact, that's what I teach my girls. I, I'm like, you know, like, you have all the friends in the world, but at the end of the day, you can always trust your family. Your family got your back, you know, that's, that's the thing. We're family, you know, so, so I love that, that, that in this new humanity, there's no separation, and there's a, this, this family now, that, that we are together, and we have each other's back, you know, and I like the Acts 2 church, it says that, that, that anyone who has need no longer has needs because we're all chipping in and, and helping each other. And, and so, so that's the thing. We are family. We are supposed to kind of look after each other. And family matters because, you know, like without a family, we are really nothing in a sense, right? Like imagine me without my, my wife and my two kids and my parents and my brothers. Who am I? I have really not much to offer, you know, and, and my value and things like that. And, and here's the crazy thing about family is that, that, that my brothers, they're twins, okay? They're identical twins, right? But they're different, okay? They might look similar, very similar to other people. For me, they look very different. But, you know, people who look at them, they're like, oh, man, they look the same. I can't tell left or right, whatever it is. And, and that's a funny thing. In their Chinese name, they actually literally had left and right in their names. So it's, it's interesting. Okay? So, 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 but, but, so I, I'm saying that they look the same, right? But they're not the same. And, and that's the beauty of it, you know? And sometimes, and I shared this last time, we have this tendency of conforming people to manufacture people to be identical in our churches. Like, everyone who comes from Hawk Fight should look like this. You know, that's not the Christ way. That's not the, the family way. Because you know, every family member has their own unique characters and, and, and distinct uh, features and whatever it is and personalities and things like that. And we are different. But we're the same because we all came from the same family. And we all serve the same family. And we all care for one another. And that's, that's the beauty of this family. It, it matters. And, and it's, it's great. And, and, and so, so the funny thing about this is that, that, that in the implication of God's household is this, that first of all, the father is God, right? It's no longer you or me or my parents or your parents or whatever it is. The, 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 house, the head of this household is God himself. And, 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 and so... so the, the funny thing about this is that, that when God starts this family, we don't have a say who gets to come. We, we like to think we do, right? But the reality is that God can welcome, just like us. We weren't once the people, but now we are the people. So God, as the household of this family, He can adopt, add to this family, whoever He wants. And, and we have to handle that, right? There will be different personalities. There will be different opinions. But they are still chosen by God. And, and sometimes our, our family, like that's the hardest people to love sometimes, isn't it? Like their souls, we know them so well. And they're so strong will and stubborn and whatever it is. But, but, but the thing is that in God's household, we will have that. And somehow, we need to find a way to live and care for one another. Instead of changing them, we have to change ourselves to, to more loving, more caring, more forgiving, and, and to, to make this family work. And, and so sometimes we really have to think about that, that you don't get to choose. I don't get to choose who comes to Hawk 5. And you're here this morning, not because I want you to be here, but because God wants you to be here. And I don't have a say in that. I, it's not my job to kick you out. That's God's job, right? And, and so, so it's not my job to invite you. It's not my job to kick you out. This is God's church, God's family. We don't have a say. I don't have a say who gets to come because this belongs to God. And we have to remember that because sometimes in our churches, we like to alienate people. We like to separate groups. And you are this people. You are that people. And you are this people. This is my people. That's your people. And we have division and have groups and cliques. And, and that's just not the way it should work. You know, we're all 
God's household. We're all in that household. We're all supposed to care for one another. There should be no walls because remember in verse 14 to 16, uh, there used to be a wall of hostility, but Christ Jesus has divided that wall and break down that wall and no longer there's a wall. And we're this new humanity. We're this family that, that belongs to God. So what does that mean? Well, you have to remember, like if this is God's household and this humanity belongs to God, it's no longer about you or me, you know, and, and I want to, so we have to live life with this new perspective in Ephesians uh, 1 verse 20. It's, now, now this new, new humanity is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And what does that mean? You know, like we all come with baggages before we became a believer, right? In fact, we might still have baggages today. And I remember when we do like marriage counseling with people, it's like when you get married, right? It's not about two people coming together. It's about six people getting together. Why six? Do you guys know why six? Like it's you, like the husband and wife and their parents, right? So it's like six people coming together. Your, your background, your family origin matters. You're, you're bringing that into that relationship. And then so when we come into God's new humanity, this new family that God has created for us, we need a new perspective. It's no longer your way or my way, but something else. And it says it's built on the apostles and the prophets. And what does that mean? And I, I, it's very simple. I like to look at it very simply. It says that, that apostles represent the New Testament and the prophets represent the Old Testament. It means this is that in this new humanity, the way we look at things is no longer by your culture, your background, your family, but through the lens of the Bible. Like you value things through the Bible now. You don't look at what does my ancient text said in the, my Chinese culture or my uh, Caucasian culture or my uh, Japanese culture or whatever culture that you came from, uh, your family of origin came from. You don't look at that anymore. You, you say, well, what does the Bible say? You know. In fact, this is the reason why we encourage, at least I encourage people that, that you know, when you get married, it needs to be with the like faith people so you have a common understanding, a common value system, a common perspective. And, and so... So we have to, to have this new perspective that is based on the teaching of the Old Testament and the New. And, and so, so it's no longer about your way or my way. But here's the funny thing about the Bible, though, that, that, that we sometimes, we read the Bible according to our way, right? So we like to look at things and say, well, this is the way I look at it, and this is the way you look at it. And, and, and we, still have, we have different perspectives on Bibles. And, and so I think that's why we're going to speak... Uh, go, in verse 20, it goes on to say this, is that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What does that mean? So do you guys know what a cornerstone is? How many of you know what a cornerstone is? I mean, we're seeing it. We, you know, we just sang this morning, Christ is the cornerstone. You know? so, so what does that mean? See, I had to search it up. I'm not an architect, right? So I had to search this up. A cornerstone in the ancient times is this very important piece of foundational material. It's the largest, often the largest and the strongest stone that's placed at one corner of the house, okay? hence the cornerstone. And, and so, so this is interesting because it is foundational and everything starts and aligns itself from it. So it's like this first first piece of stone that you align the rest of the house with. And it's the first piece that you start the building of the house or building or you know whatever it is. And, and so, so it's very important because if this cornerstone is crooked, right, then your entire building will be crooked. So it's, let's say you, you make it at a 45 degree angle, right, instead of like a flat surface, it's angled up, then your entire house will go this way now, right? So that's, that's how important the cornerstone is. And it's saying, Paul is saying that 
Christ Jesus is the chief cornerstone, meaning that everything that we do, the new perspective from the Old Testament and the New Testament should align and start from Jesus' teaching. And Jesus as the cornerstone is how we read the New Testament and Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. We read it and say that, oh, so this is how Jesus interpreted. For example, Sabbath, right? We're saying that Sabbath in a Jewish custom is that, that you don't do anything, right? But Jesus came in and said, well, the, Lord, the man is the, you know, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? So, so there is a reason that when we rest, it's not so that you can't do anything. It's not supposed to bind you, but it's supposed to help you to be closer to God, to, to do things that God wants you to do. And then when it comes to adultery, right? It's like Jesus said that, well, you know, we have this idea about adultery, but here's the thing. You you look at someone with the wrong intention, that's adultery. Like Jesus looks at things very differently than what other people look at it. And, And so this new perspective that we as a new humanity should adopt should be from the lens of Jesus. When we look at things, it's no longer about what you think or what I think. We have that in our churches. We struggle with that. In fact, I have a conversation with my wife about my sermons all the time, and, and she would tell me, oh, don't say this, and don't say that, and or say this, or say that. And, and, and so I, I was like, I'll pray about it, because at the end of the day, it's not about what she thinks is right, or it's not about what I think is right, but what, if, what does the Bible say about this issue with this perspective? And, and so recently I've done this personality test, and then so ends up I'm actually a very confrontational person, right? So, so my wife thinks like I'm purposely like confronting people with my messages and whatever it is. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing, you know? And, and so, so it's just like I have to be honest and truthful to the Bible. I'm not doing this for fun, guys, you know? Like, like I want to be liked by, by anyone and everyone, but sometimes my wife's like, why do you have to say things that makes it so hard to love you? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. But, but it's just, you know, but, but the reality is this, is that, that as a new humanity, we need to put down the old ways, you know, like your father's way, put it down, your mother's way, put it down, your, your grandma's way, put it down, whatever ways that you came from, whatever culture, whatever value system that you came from, okay, you got to put that down. We know that in a marriage, when if you are holding on to your, your old ways, that marriage is going to suffer because of that. And this humanity is the same thing. And I see this in churches too. We bring in our own culture, our own understanding of the Bible, and we interpret the way we wanted to interpret to fit our context and to fit what we want to say. And we're no longer looking at through the lens of Jesus. And that's why, you know, sometimes I, I struggle with churches because I feel like a lot of times we are not really being truthful to the Word of God. We're, we're trying to make people feel good about themselves. And I was reading a sermon about Ephesians, and this pastor is very famous, and uh, John MacArthur, and he was saying that, that some people say, why do you have to preach with so much, you know, like, like you know, I don't want, I don't, but, but anyway, so, so, so he... He preaches, and he's like, well, I got to speak the truth, right? Even if it offends people, even if it hurts hurt your feelings, I have to say what I need to say because that is from the Bible. And so we have to remember that. And sometimes we have this, this tendency, you know, we sacrifice the integrity of the Bible for the sake of what we think is the unity of the body, for the sake of what the harmony we think would be. And and. And so, so I, I see that. Sometimes we struggle with that because we, we have this way of looking at the Word and use it for our culture and our agendas or whatever it is. And I, I just want to encourage you that, that this new perspective doesn't come from me. It comes from the Bible. Read the Bible. Read what Jesus said, how He teaches. 
and then be offended by him. You know, like I, I was sharing with the youth at the snow retreat. I was like, you know, there's a cost of following Jesus. And sometimes we talk about Jesus and this faith as this free and easy and simple. But Jesus spelled it out. says that, that it's hard. You know, you need to follow me. There's a great cost. And so I have to, you know, we have to do that. We have to be honest with the scripture. And, and so with this new, new perspective, with this new view of life, you know, we have to, to do things differently now, too. We have uh, new purposes in what we do. And uh, the first thing is this, uh, in, in verse 21 and 22, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And so, so the first thing that we have a new purpose as a new humanity is that we are now becoming a holy temple. And what does a temple do? A temple is a place where, God, where people encounter God. A temple is a place where like faith people gather to worship and to serve. And a temple is a place where reconciliation between men and God and men and man happens. And, and, and so this is our purpose. We're supposed to reconcile the people with God. And we're supposed to reconcile people with people. We're supposed to become a place where people can come and encounter God and, and witness God with us. We're supposed to be this, this group of people that will be accountable for one another and to, to, to worship and to serve and to praise God. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not here to fight. We're not here to gossip. We're not here to hang out. We're here so that people can encounter God, so that, that we can gather to worship and to serve and to grow and to reconcile relationships. And, and again, sometimes we, we, we're so afraid of saying all these things. We just want people to feel welcome and love and whatever it is that, that we, we forget that this is a place for God this is a place where people encounter God if they want to feel good if they want to hang out their social clubs their, their organizations their events that they can do so this is a place of God if we meet it's because God called us to meet God should be the center of everything that we do that is, that is a temple right the focus is God in a temple not you not me not what I want not what you want God and, and and it goes on to say it says this is that not only are we being built to to become a temple in the Lord but we are also being built together to be a dwelling place for God and, and a dwelling place man that's you know it's a place where God lives you know and, and and sometimes that is the biggest challenge that we face right and I shared this before if people were to walk into Hawk 5 would they would they would they feel the presence of God if, if people were to to encounter us in our daily lives, would they be able to say this is a place where God lives and and, and so so a place where we encounter God ourselves, right? And, and so sometimes we're so focused on serving other people, we forget that, that we are also becoming a place where we can encounter God. When you serve, you should encounter God. You should have this joy. I, I like to share the gospel, not because I get to check marks and saying that, by the way, one saved, two saved, three saved, four saved. You know, that's, it's not a competition on how many people I save versus how many people you save. I, I, like to, I like to share the gospel because every time I share the gospel, every time I see the people being transformed by the gospel, I'm excited. I get to see that our God is alive and well. And that he's doing things that's blowing my mind. Like, this person, how can he be saved? But he is saved now. And he's living a life that is so different. And, and it's a place where we encounter God ourselves. And it's a place for intimacy, right? You know, when you come, you need to be intimate with God. And you need to have a relationship with God. And, and so here's the thing. So is it ready? Like, like our church, our lives, is it ready to become a dwelling place for God? Like when we have people over, we clean our house, right? I want to ask ourselves this morning, like myself included, 
Like, is our life in order? Like, if God comes, is he going to stumble on Legos on the floor or, like, you know, kick some boxes and trash everywhere kind of thing? Like, are we living in sin right now so that when God comes, he's like, whoa, wow, this place smells, you know? Like, what's going to happen? Are we ready to become a dwelling place for God? Are we cleaning house? Are we living a holy life? Are we living like saints? Because God has called us to be saints. And it doesn't end. I have to keep going. I have, give me two more minutes. I, I'm, then I'll be on time, right? So, so, and so we have purposes to 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 equip the saints to build up the body of Christ, and that's what we're supposed to do. Is that that not only are we becoming this temple, not only are we becoming this dwelling place for God, we're also to equip the saints and build up this body of Christ. Whereas to use our gifts to equip and build up, and God has placed unique gifts in all of us. Every one of us has something that someone else does and something that someone else does. That's okay. But we're supposed to use our gifts to serve and to build up the body of Christ, to train people to love Jesus, to train ourselves to love Jesus so that, that this, this church is vibrant and alive and people come in, they feel the presence of God. They can worship God and they encounter God and we encounter God as well. And here's the thing. We're no longer spectators. We're participants, you know, and... and and, and, and see, being a Christian, you can't be a Christian and not participate in this faith. I, I don't know who started this. I don't know who started to give us this idea that you can be a Christian but not a disciple, a Christ follower, a saint, because that is not biblical, guys. You're in it or you're not in it, and you're a participant or a spectator, and if you're a spectator, you're not really a Christian, guys, because our faith is one that's lived out. It's not sit out. You can't just sit out on that. You, you have to live it out. And, it, and you have to participate. You need to serve. You need to give. You need to bring people to Christ. You know, do the Great Commission. Make disciples. Don't sit around and say, well, someone else is going to do that. And this church is comfortable kind of thing. I just want to sit here. There's no spectators in our faith. We're all participants. And, and so, so and remember this. You know, it's a one temple, one dwelling place, one body. There's no separation. There's only one church. You know, there's, we're not competing with other churches. We don't, need to, we don't need to, like, say other churches are bad to make ourselves feel better kind of thing. We're not competing. We're all doing the same thing. Equip the saints, build out the body of Christ. We're building this holy temple, a dwelling place for God. All churches are doing this. I don't care if this church down the street grows bigger than us as long as God's kingdom is growing. Do you know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't have that competition. We should be like, man, I just love Jesus. And, and sometimes it's hard. Like, as pastor, we struggle with that. So if some of you decide to leave to go to another church, right, we have a struggle because we care about you guys and, it, and we want you to stay. But, but, you know, God has taught me in my last church is this, is that as long as you're going to a church, I will give you my blessing. I am really sad. I'm really mad when someone leaves the church and no longer go to church because then I have to be accountable for that. They were under my watch and then so somehow they left the church. Then I need to be accountable for that, right? But if you're going to a church and you need to serve and to love, man, good for you, right? Because it's one church, right? I don't care what church you go to. In fact, I'm going to ask, like, some of you didn't even grow up in Hawk 5, right? You came from another church. If every church has this my church mentality, then none of you will be here. Well, half of you won't be here kind of thing, right? You're here because you understand the concept that is one church. We're serving one God, one spirit. Everything's together. So we have to remember that there's only one church. So don't separate, you know? Like, let's, let's just keep that unity kind of thing. And the new purpose, you know, like, like here's the thing. The, um, in Ephesians 4, thir- 1 to 3, Therefore, as prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, 
with all huma uh, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And here's the thing, we have a new purpose. Another purpose is this, is that we are to be eager to maintain the unity. It means this, is that the unity has been given to us already. We have the unity, guys. Like, well, as soon as you enter this new humanity, have you noticed, like, again, I'm sharing this again, it's that, that when you are a new believer, you loved everybody, you accepted everybody, right? It's, it's that when you progress in your faith, you start to become more and more judgmental. You start to differentiate. You start to say, well, this is like my, my people, their people, whatever it is. As we grow somehow, instead of growing more mature, we grow more immature. We start to tear down the unity that God has placed us. We start to use different ways to maintain or build that unity. And, and so we have to use the godly ways to keep the unity. Again, this is what it says in the scripture. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. We're supposed to use these things to keep the unity. Because if we do all these things, I guarantee you, we'll be a united church. And here's the struggle that we have, again, is that sometimes when we think of unity, and, in, and this is one of the great debates in my family, my household, is this is that I have a certain way about unity and, and harmony kind of thing. My wife has certain ideas about unity and harmony, and it all comes from our original family. And, and, and so, so when we are Christians, when we look at church unity and harmony, we have to go back to this. It's not about what I think is you know, bringing peace together, because it's very flawed, it's human. But if we practice humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, then we are able to sustain a true unity in Christ Jesus. It's given to us already. And so don't, don't try to use your whatever ways that you might have from your culture or my culture or my family to build unity. That's, that's just falsehood, guys. Like, like sometimes we have this, this idea that unity is about not saying anything, right? So, so I, I, you know, I feel like that's not true. It's not about shutting up. There's no such thing as shut up in our, you know, like in, in this biblical teaching, you know? It's about humility and gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another, right? And it's telling us we're all different, right? So it's not about like conforming or, or, or respect the elders and things like that. Those are good things in our cultures, right? But when it comes to our faith, you can respect someone, right? And disagree with them. Isn't that true? You can love someone even if they're different than you. That's the reality of it, right? And, and so we, we can't use the world's idea and bring it to church. I, a few years ago, I preached a message about love wins. You know, like this is a, a few years ago, that was a whole movement, right? You know, love wins, love conquers all. So we accept all types of things, all types of people. And, and, and the funny thing is this is that that's not biblical, guys. And we bring that to church. And we say we should accept anything. Sinful or not, we accept, we love because God loves. That's not biblical. God has standards. God has sins and not sins and things like that. And, and so to, to really love someone is not to spoil them and say, whatever you want to do, it's okay. To really love someone, and that's what the Bible teaches, is to love with discipline. Because those he loves, those who God loves, he disciplines. And we have to remember that, you know, like, like, can you imagine if my girls get whatever they want in their life? Like, I want candy. Okay. I don't want vegetable. Okay. Love wins, guys. They will be super, super unhealthy, malnourished, weird looking people because something is going to happen to them. I don't know what, but because love, real love has discipline, has purpose, has focus and has truth in it. So let's, let's make sure that we are adhering to God's way. Not my way, not your way, not even the Hawk Fi way, but God's way. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for this new humanity. We thank you that you are calling us to be a, a new creation and that the old has gone, the new has come. That we no longer adhere to the old teachings of the world, our families, or even our cultures, but we adhere to your teachings to love our enemies, to sacrifice ourselves as living sacrifices, to keep the unity, to, to do those so many great things, to become a holy temple, to, to become this dwelling place for you, to, to become the body of Christ, to build up the saints and build up everyone. And just, I pray, Father, that we will adopt this new life and new way of living because we're now called into this new humanity. Help us to thrive in you. And we know we cannot do it, so we ask you to help us. Help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.